This is Zach from Howling Giant, and you're listening to Epitome of Stupidity. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 44. 44. Of Epitome of Stupidity. Right. Uh, metal. Podcast. Allegedly. Favorite. Uh, metal podcast. I may have mixed up those words. Hi, everybody. Hi. That is Howling Giant in the background. That's their song, Whale Lord. Yeah. Fun stuff. We, uh, I think maybe we should talk to those guys about what they've got going on, but we'll see how that works out later on. Brian, we've got a gigantic fucking show today. <sighs> yeah, let's get it going. All right, with your big fucking yawn. Yeah, what do you want? What do you want from me, Clint? Um, let's see. Let's get something from Sonic Temple first. Okay. The Sonic Temple Art and Music Festival has arrived. Map Free Stadium, Columbus, Ohio, May seventeenth through the nineteenth, with Foo Fighters. There goes my hero. System of the Down. Disturbed. Get up, get up. With Bring Me the Horizon, Papa Roach, Ghost, Hailstorm, Lamb of God, The Cult, Andrew Dice Clay, and more. Go to SonicTempleFestival.com for everything. See ya at the temple. All right. It still weirds me out. Um, Hats off to Papa Roach for filling the spot. Yes, sir. Uh, What have you been listening to, buddy? Uh, Well, since I did some flying, I watched um, Bohemian Rhapsody again. Again? So... Since then, I've listened to the soundtrack of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be proud, though. There's a lot of live stuff in there. The, the, yeah, the Live Aid stuff. Big boy. So, yeah, just a lot of Queen, man. All right. Dig some Queen. I did not see that one coming. I've done a lot of... This is going to shock you. I listened to a lot of Clutch this week. Why? Because I'm still alive. Somehow I ended up on Baroness and Neurosis and... uh Man, I cannot fucking wait until that new Baroness album comes out. I love that purple album. So uh, I guess, I mean, yeah. Again, Neurosis, post-metal band of the week, fucking forever. Toward the end of the week, got my fucking Venom prison on, but more about that later. We'll dial some numbers, see if we can talk to these guys with uh, Howling Giant, Brian. Get this fucking big show on the road. Road on the show. Mm -hmm. Just see what happens. Okay. All right. Doop, 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 doop. Ring. All right, we got Zach, Sebastian, and Tom. Tom. Fuck, Tom. I almost forgot yeah. his damn name. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to meet you as well. Is that right? Nice to be known. <laughs> so, so, so let's go around and you know say who you are and what you do for the Howling Giant here. I'm Zach. I play drums, and I sing some stuff behind Tom there every once in a while. Okay. Nice. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Tom. I play guitar and I, I do lead vocals, I guess. And uh, I'm Sebastian. I do bass guitar and uh, backup vocals. All right. So rhythm vocals. Rhythm, rhythm vocals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the lower register. All right. Enlighten us about Howling Giant. Tell us. Uh, tell us a little bit about you guys. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're a three piece from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, 
We like kind of riffy, fuzzy jams. We write about space and wizards and fantasy stuff. I don't know. It's kind of fun. It's just kind of been about having a good time up to this point. And in the notes, it says D&D. How much D&D are you guys talking about in your songs? Man, so we play a lot of D&D. We actually, when we started this band, um, when Zach and I actually first started jamming in Boston, we were called Skulldozer. Oh, I like uh, that. We started that band based on a D&D campaign that we did. So, like, I think the first song that we wrote was called Anthos the Minotaur. And it has since kind of faded into the ether, but it was a lot of fun to write at the time. And, I mean, D&D still kind of inspires what we do, so... Kind of taking one yeah. thing you enjoy and wrapping it into another, it sounds like. Metal D&D. Didn't yeah, see that man. coming. <laughs> so uh, we've got some notes here about you guys. It says that you met at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. How in the hell do you go from something that sounds so smart into making like stoner doom music? <laughs> well, this was, this was kind of... Uh, this started as kind of our break from... At the time, all of our serious fans, uh, we just wanted some to blow off steam, and you know things, things got a little too serious too quick with like a prog band or like a super heavy metal band. So uh, after the you know D and D campaign and and starting to write songs about Anthos the Minotaur or a demon crow or <laughs> really anything else, this was this was the way to just kind of go about it and, and have a little fun on the side. And then when those other bands kind of fell apart, we were like, well, this is fun. We should keep doing this. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's really, it's really easy to kind of take yourselves too seriously sometimes in like a prog band situation, maybe, even though I love listening to that. But like when you're playing the doom stoner stuff, like this music is kind of just about like having a good time yes. <laughs> hanging out, you know, yeah, so, I mean, that kind of became our focus. The more ridiculous, the better. Outland yeah. or outlandish, I should say. <laughs> yeah, and it certainly comes through. It, it we were listening to uh, the the EP just a minute ago, and uh, it I don't. It's one of those things where I don't understand how somebody would turn it on and say, you know, turn this off. It's just it sounds fun. It, I don't. <laughs> that's uh, you. That's fucking awesome. Um, now you guys, speaking of EPs, you guys have got what three EPs and then an album coming out this summer, right? Yes, that is true. Um, when it, you're re-releasing the first EP, if I understand things correctly, right? Yeah. Uh, so the one that started it all, um, Blues Funeral, got us to do a, a remaster with Dave Shirk, who uh, who was mastered, I think, Remission by Mastodon mm. and The Obsessed and a bunch of cool stuff. And he put together an awesome package. So yeah, that's why we're... Pentagram stuff, too? Yeah, Pentagram yeah, as well, so. yeah. So we're uh, it's, we're out on the road right now. Uh, we just got one last show on this little run, uh, kind of supporting that right before it comes out on March 22nd. And then we're heading out for all of April to support that as well. I believe somewhere in April there's a uh, a weed-related thing, a holiday <laughs> Fourth type thing. 20 Psycho could, Smokeout. Could be, you know. Uh, we're playing Psycho Smokeout. Uh, we were summoned. We were summoned <laughs> to play the Smokeout. Yeah. <laughs> Who are we to deny it? Right? Yeah. So that's where we're headed, man. I mean, are you, uh, do you partake? I guess would be the easiest way to ask this. Man, to be 100% honest with you, these days, not so much anymore. Um, Kind of back in the college days, certainly a little bit for me, Tom here. I don't want to speak for everyone. Uh, As for me, I definitely do. Sebastian's (laughs) kind of. 
he's our pillar, you know. Um, keep you guys grounded. <laughs> yeah. He said, I definitely do. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we're, we're a judgment-free band here. So, you yeah. know, we, we just kind of send Sebastian out into the world. People want to smoke him up, you know. <laughs> Go on, sweet boy. Do as you please. <laughs> sweet boy. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some... You know, the sort of interesting the the DIY aspect you guys use. You kind of mm-hmm. do everything yourself as far as recording, and then apparently someone's mom is an artist or keeping it in family. Yeah, tell us tell us oh, about yeah. your your recording process and how you're using you know wives and moms to to further this band. This this place was built by wives and moms. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we started. Uh, I mean, talking about this re-release of the ep that was the first one we did uh in tom's bedroom we had when we moved to nashville yeah, yeah i had this like kind of oversized bedroom that used to be a garage that was converted um and we just like piled all our gear in there and just kind of went for it uh my wife records all of our stuff and mixes all of our music as well and uh so she was just we had one interface and just like crammed as many channels as we could in there and just recorded live and mm-hmm. went for it. Uh, and then things kind of, you know, we learned from that and, and with black hole space was in part one and part two, we changed a few ways. We're able to, you know, do a few mo- like learned a few new yeah. techniques and stuff like that. I, I think that recording experience was kind of just born out of like a restlessness, you know, right. like we weren't going to really wait around for, like a nice recording studio, you know, it's just like, if we want to do some stuff, we kind of just have to like take the reins and just do it and use what you got. And that's kind of been what we've been doing since. So that's kind of the DIY thing, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then Tom's mom is the one that does the artwork on the album covers. Yeah. Yeah. She's an art teacher in Minnesota, but uh, it's really nice to be able to just ask her to do some cool art and, you know, is that hand painted? Right. Right. Is she hand painting this stuff or is that digital? Uh she hand yeah, she hand draws it all. I think the black hole space wizard stuff was mostly colored pencil and marker based. Um but the original EP no, I think that one's actually colored pencil as well. Um but yeah, she does it all by hand. Yep. You give her any kind of steer in any kind of direction or she's just like, This is what you get, shut up, I got something else to do. <laughs> I mean We'll we'll try to give some guidance and be like, here's kind of what we're imagining. Here's what like these songs are, kind of how we want to be represented. So, a lot of times I'll try my hand at like really horrifying looking sketches that are in no way like art, <laughs> mm. and then I send it to her, and then she kind of uses that. And when, she, when she's done laughing, just say yeah. that's great, you know. So. <laughs> right. That and I mean, not to not to undersell or oversell or anything. The art is fucking awesome too and knowing that she's doing it all by hand that's fucking badass yeah it's cool it's cool she's champ <laughs> apparently um so the uh you guys the tour starts soon right yeah april 12th we start to head out towards and the west coast the uh and then the, the album doesn't come out until the summer how are are, are there going to be new songs being played on tour or uh yeah, we're we're actually already sneaking in. We've got one new song we've been sneaking in on um, this little run. We've been out for a week right now. Uh, we just played Arlington, Texas last night. But um, 
Yeah, we, we've been sneaking in one, and it was a lot of fun, but we're going to start kind of working in a few of those. They've been a blast to play, and they've kind of just been hidden away in the recording studio, so it's time to start playing them. Awesome. It's all recorded? Uh, yeah, we're kind of doing like the last, we're kind of wrapping up a few things on our end, but um, yeah, we're pretty much ready to go. Do we know what it's called yet? We we actually don't. So we're at a phase uh-huh. of like needing to name things, which I find is kind of the hardest part of the whole. <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have all these ridiculous working titles that we just come up with. You yeah. know? In the meantime, we're like, well, I guess we could come up with a real name for this song instead of Crouching Farmer Hidden Silo. <laughs> or, <Yeah. laughs> you know, <laughs> Fluffer Nutter. Yeah. <laughs> Chicken Walker, yeah, they're all. Honestly, I think we should keep all. Maybe, the words. Yeah, I maybe am with that. That is, you should absolutely keep these titles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think Crouching Farmer Hidden Silo is my favorite, though. Yeah, oh my god! Is. If you guys don't use that, I am fucking stealing it. <laughs> that is fucking fantastic. Um, so I mean, tour and band, getting ready to put out an album. What? inquiring minds want to know what's a what's a day in the life like what's a normal day for you guys a lot of driving <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we get to enjoy taco bells from yeah. every city in america it's lovely <laughs> um, play your cards right you know and there's a walmart somewhere with some magic cards for a couple boys to pick up you know? <laughs> yeah. no but we, we have been trying to take a page a little bit out of like um some buddies of our book our Karis. we've been on the road with them but trying to find some time to go to like a park if you get a chance or like somewhere to actually go outside and not just be sitting in a van for like 10 hours right. and then have this massive output of energy at a show and then just crash and do it all again. It's like kind of an insane lifestyle, you know? And um, it sounds like it. And uh, I mean, that, that probably would put different perspective on a random park too. Oh, yeah, seriously, man. I mean, the, the chance to just kind of, like, get out and walk around and just kind of walk through some trees and stuff, like, feels really nice when, you know, you're just going from one, you know, Taco Bell to the next. Right. <laughs> Life is just Taco Bells <laughs> yeah. with moments in between, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, tell us about your name, Howling Giant. Uh, yeah. Um, so, like I said, when we first started the band, we started as Skulldozer. And that was kind of, you know, um, we spelled it like real assholes. It was like S-K-L-D-Z-R. Um, and we, <laughs> like we kind of assholes. realized early on that, like, we should change our band name. if You know, <laughs> anyone's ever going to be able to spell it. Um, so, yeah, we were kind of like brainstorming. We were kind of thinking about a bunch of different like band names. And I was playing Majora's Mask uh, Legend of Zelda game. And there was actually a cutscene after the first like dungeon where these epic kind of giants just rise up and teach you how to sing this song. Uh, I was like, that's pretty metal. It was pretty rad. So right? we kind of just called ourselves Howling Giant and rolled with it from there. And you didn't spell spell it like a real asshole either. <laughs> we didn't spell it like an asshole this time. I think we spelled it right even. Yeah. yeah so I mean <laughs> uh, that I might be backwards. You can't really tell. Though. It's really hard to say. It's really hard to say. All right, um, go ahead, Clint. That, I was just going to ask him, uh, you know, the instruments. How how did you guys end up, you know, where I assume Sebastian was just stoned and decided the bass looked easy. I know that's what I did. Um, uh, yeah, I just kind of 
pulled the, the shortest straw, honestly. Yes. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> you know, I, I actually, uh, I, I guess I'm considered the new guy uh, in the band. Uh, although I've been in, I've been in since what, October? Yeah. Something like that. October was the first real like tour that I did. So I've, uh, I've just been jamming ever since. And I love the bass. My dad's a bass player. So it was just kind of, it, it just kind of felt right to do it, you know, especially when everybody in Nashville is a guitar player or yeah. drummer yeah, or lead singer. Bass players are heavily needed, especially ones in heavy music. So, uh, it just kind of felt like the right thing to do and, uh, got hooked up with these guys and just instantly clicked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been awesome playing with Seabass. He's been holding it down, you know, and we, we play with a lot of people, but you know, he's been locking in and it's been feeling kind of tighter than it's been in a long time. So we've been really excited about it. What about you guys? How'd you end up on the guitar and drums? <laughs> just fell out of the sky on a drum set one day. Uh, like a mythical D and D creature. Uh, like percussion. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I said like a mythical D and D creature. He fell from the sky sure, on a set of drums. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I kind of woke up and was presented with an objective, and that was about it. I think Tom was probably DMing and told me to play the drums. <laughs> <laughs> but I played. Uh, I played like percussion and stuff for middle school, high school band, and played on drumline, and uh, and eventually just wanted to to hop behind the kit. So. I started doing that in high school and then kind of it was rad. So I kept doing it. Yeah, <laughs> Feels right. Keep it yeah, going. That seems to make a lot of sense. And then, I mean, I guess I started playing guitar pretty, pretty young. My parents wanted me to get into classical guitar. So I actually studied classical guitar for a long time, um, which was kind of fun and kind of like not super fun. Um, you know, when you're like a kid, you want to like rock and roll. And then your parents are like, here, <laughs> learn Villalobos. Yeah. No more smoke on the water. <laughs> in in hindsight, it was very cool though, and it's it's kind of cool to have that background. But um, but yeah, I've just kind of been playing guitar ever since, and I've played a lot of different styles. But I think this is the most fun I've had with a band so far is playing this kind of music. Again, the music itself just sounds fun, and uh, you know, there's not a lot that doesn't sound fun about Taco Bell's across the country. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, it's amazing. Would love and to be I mean, locked. Finally, get a chance. Oh, yeah. Sorry, carry on. I'd love to be locked in a van with three dudes that eat Taco Bell every day. <laughs> dude, it's, those... a, it's a real, a real fuzz chamber. Yeah, it's, a real, <laughs> it's a real thing. I bet those parks <laughs> smell twice as good after that. Yeah. Speaking of that, Taco Bell, Mr. Taco Bell, if you're listening, we'll take the <laughs> money Taco from Bell. the feed to feed the beat now. So, thank you. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Taco Bell. I like it. Have Mr. you guys heard of this? No. Yes. So Taco Bell has a program called Feed the Beat, where they will give like artists on the road like a gift card for like 250, 500, like bucks, 500 yeah. bucks. And they'll just be like, go forth, you know, when you're hungry, <laughs> stop at T-Bell. And we've been hollering at them for years now, dog. And I haven't heard back from Mr. Taco Bell yet. Oh, that <laughs> bastard. We, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to get you in touch with Mr. Yeah, Bell. Hashtag Dude, Mr. Yeah, Bell. Yeah. Anything you can do helps. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Feed the beat. That's why we started this band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about the, well, the, the magnetic eye uh, dirt. Yeah, redux. that redux thing. Can you uh, yeah. let us in on you know, what song you guys did? We haven't done it yet. I don't oh. know if we're allowed to tell quite yet. Okay. Uh, but 
Just because I'm not sure if they're. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how far they are along with the the announcements and the release. I know okay. they've been working on the uh, Volume Four uh, Sabbath one as well. But yeah. we got to do the we were on the bonus disc of the Pink Floyd when they did the Wall. Yeah, and we we just they did a best of disc and we picked Matilda Mother had a blast doing that. So are excited to get on the the real deal this time. Right. Yeah. That's uh. Yeah, that, both the uh, the volume four and the dirt redux thing, because I, I mean that the wall thing and the the greatest hits thing were really fucking excellent. So there's no reason to not think that those things won't be fucking excellent too. Yeah, the just anyone listening, the dirt thing don't come out till 2020. Right. It was just Clint put it in the notes, so I had to say something about it. <laughs> Holding down my end over here. So um, all of this has been and sounds like a lot of fun. You know, again, random Taco Bells and parks and playing cool fucking tunes what's the shittiest part of this besides each other's smells i mean you even grow to love each other's smells but uh, <laughs> that's besides the point man i don't know what's the lowest what's the worst the worst for me is just waking up after a, a hell of a night of rocking and just barely being able to move your neck <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's the worst yeah your neck but that's even bad. really not that bad <laughs> But you got a neck massage in Austin. I got a neck massage where they tried to charge me one dollar. It was from a homeless person. No, oh, just a passing stranger. A passing stranger with a, a headrest from a, a massage chair. Just <laughs> a free sample. Just a free sample for you to try to entice you for the full thing. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, these... I guess you are sore quite a bit when you're hunting. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like I said, it's like when you're sitting in a van all day sedentary lifestyle and then you get to a show and it's like massive output of like show energy and then you just go to bed immediately like after or maybe you hang out for a bit but it's like dude your body is just super sore um we gotta find more hot tubs or just like we don't have a trailer we could just hook up a little trailer and put a hot, hot tub, tub back in. there <laughs> that's the key man this is you guys may have just unlocked the key to the best touring life yeah. Yes. Hot tub. More gear? Nope. Hot tub. Hot, hot tub. tub. Moving fucking water. Honey, is that a hot tub <laughs> or a trailer on this van in front of Moving water. <laughs> it sure the fuck is. So we uh we're gonna let you guys get on with your Saturday, but before we let you go, we're gonna ask you our kind of standard issue trophy question here. And since there's three of you, we get three answers out of it. Yeah, man. Um you get shipped off to an island. Whoever ships you there is swell enough to give you a sound system and the ability to take one album. What album are you taking with you? You guys are not on the island together, so you can't combine your fucking answers. You're stuck by yourself. <laughs> oh damn, he's brutal. He's okay. Well, if I can, if I can jump in, this is Tom here. For okay. Us. Uh, I'm gonna bring the album's easy. I'm gonna bring Men at Works, Business as Usual. I haven't got that, that one yet. That album is timeless. Man, I love that album. Seriously. That's the album I'm bringing for sure. All right. One um, down. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this is this is Sebastian. Uh, there's one album I could bring. It's so tough, but I just I have to go with HDC Back in Black. Whoa. That's there you classic, go. Best album uh, uh, that. That's that's the album that I, that really kind of influenced me to play music and and yeah man I can listen to any single song on that record and just totally rock fuck totally yeah rock it out. and right. Zach here I think we're going with 
uh, Coheed and Cambria's Good Apollo on Burning Star 4. Gesundheit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, those are three completely different. Those are three different completely different uh, genres. And then you, you will. jam them all together and <laughs> end up with a howling giant. That's yeah. fucking fantastic. <laughs> Fellas, we sincerely appreciate it. And uh, with all the touring you're doing, we hope to see you come through our fucking town here in Columbus, Ohio. And. Drink a beer and bring it. I don't know. Maybe a bring a burrito. A burrito from somewhere that isn't Taco Bell. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I mean, show me the way. You know, broaden my horizons. Yeah. <laughs> Until then. Until then. <laughs> Until then, we are gone. Have a good weekend, man. Guys. Right, cheers. Thanks, guys. guys. That was uh, that was fun. I wouldn't have expected. I don't get to talk about D and D every day. I know. I don't get to talk about D and D ever or the. Berkeley music of arts and shit like yeah. anyways that was a lot of fun and um makes me want some taco bell not me not you no not i just ugh. it's more for me three guys in a van eating taco <laughs> bell every day that <laughs> <laughs> um i've got an idea though uh-huh that was so much fun let's keep it rolling let's see if we can I have knew it. another fun interview yeah i see i saw that coming Did you? it's on the outline because we may have already had the conversation. <laughs> Therefore, I have it on good authority that what's coming is going to be fucking fun. Brian, you want to hit some numbers? Um, boop. Ring. He's only one number away. And now we have author Jeremy Robert Johnson on the phone with us. Jeremy, how you doing today, buddy? Doing awesome. Uh, hanging out in the front of my truck, which is my podcast office, <laughs> uh, because my, my wife says I yell when I'm on podcasts. Good. Good. Because <laughs> I don't try. Like crappy phone mic. Uh, so I, I uh, yeah, you might have to turn some of the volume down on this one. But uh, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm stoked, stoked to be with you guys. I'm, we're happy to have you, man. Just because uh, you know we like to try to say we're some kind of music metal podcast. What are you listening to currently? Uh, shoot, man. I I spent yesterday. We're doing the uh, Marie Kondo tidying up thing with our house. So I actually spent all yesterday going through my crates um sorting everything out i have all these old uh built crates i tried to get it all built with the little book of uh you know the little cd cases and stuff because i still carry media around because uh apple like basically killed off all their ipods which was interesting over the last couple years like they 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 flipped the kill switch on all those things you know And, and so my 84 gigs of uh music now seems invalidated and i'm back to uh sending smoke signals to communicate and <laughs> <laughs> and like loading cds into my truck uh and the other funny part of that is is like you know in the 90s if you left cds sitting out on your seat somebody would bust your window it was right. like a guarantee it was like hide your cds dude there's somebody's gonna jack them Clint and now still. i actually leave cds sprawled out all over the front of my truck as kind of like a warning to people to say like hey there's nothing in here worth <laughs> we're taking <laughs> just yeah. some metal CDs. so it's just like all you know dad metal and and you know stuff sitting out that lets them know hey i'm i'm an old person and i still like cd's and and there's nothing here for you <laughs> so <laughs> i actually bought a new so, cd last fucking night yeah no actually this last week i was uh introducing my kid to uh and justice for all yeah uh, which is i have the the you know the very first cd of that um you know back when the cds had the giant cardboard boxes so you couldn't jam them in your pants and steal them <laughs> right. uh, they had to take it out and the jewel case was inside 
I still have that edition. And it's interesting how loud you have to turn the volume up on that to get it to sound like contemporary production. But yeah, so I guess that's been my, it's kind of a throwback, but that's been my main listen for the last week is uh, introducing my kid to Metallica finally. That's, you're, you're doing good work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he used to listen. I had, a, uh, I had a tape deck that he used to play Ride the Lightning on, but he was three. <laughs> And he ran in circles and jumped off the couch and bashed into the walls. And uh, I asked him if he remembered any of that, and he, he said he didn't. So this is his first proper introduction. <laughs> Got to make sure it gets done. I still do that when I listen to that. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> so you have a couple books out here recently. Um, I've read uh, both of them, all of them, if you want to include Skullcrack and that stuff. Brian is actually illiterate and uh, just can't read. I guess I shouldn't say that because he's actually in the middle of reading um, in the river. Yeah. I'm at the witch oh, part. Okay. Yeah. Or whatever that thing is called that bites his finger off. That's where I'm at. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that book's kind of gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> the the whole, like, no chapters or anything. It's just, you know, just put spaces and random spaces in there to kind of add the chapter effect. I, it's the first book I've ever read like that, but it's only the first book I've read, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's not yeah, true. And, uh, I think it's supposed to just be one, you know, one stream of consciousness experience. And, and uh, I, I had to structure it like that just because I had to find a way for, for me to get through writing it and people to be able to get through reading it. I figured it should be mostly a one one sitting book. You know, somebody sits down and oh, hell. three or four hours pass and then and then they made it through, you know. Right. Um, and so I know it, it, sometimes I look at Goodreads and it shows reader progress, though. And there's a lot of people that stop at page 25, and then there's a lot of people that stop between 40 and 45, which is this interesting phenomena. And they, and, and they note it in the reviews. They're like, hey, there's, you know, I had to stop this and come back to it for a while. I thought I'd read it in one day, but I, but I couldn't. So I don't know. Kind of huh. interesting phenomena to see on repeat with a piece of work. Right. Um, so overall, In the River is relatively short, too. Yeah, it's my kind of one. Clint said, here's the book. I, oh, yeah. That's my kind of book. <laughs> and uh, Entropy and Bloom is also a collection of short stories. Um, is, it, is it just easier to write shorter things? I, speaking as a lazy person. You know, um, I, I started out writing short stories just because that was, that was the fastest way to try out different techniques and kind of learn and practice. And like my very first uh, collection, Angel Dust Apocalypse, was basically me being part of a, a lot of different uh, writers' workshops and just trying to figure out the craft and how to do things, uh, you know, by working in very small amounts and then getting lots of feedback. So it's really just where I, where I started out. Now I actually have a harder time writing short stuff. I tend to go out to six or 8,000 words with everything, which isn't a very marketable length for, for <laughs> short work, um, just because I kind of got bit by the novel bug. Right. The only reason In the River is so short is just because of the the subject matter, you know, I, I think of it as like a novel's worth of story that happens in the amount of length that people can tolerate being in that, in that guy's consciousness, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, that, that's, I, yeah, I don't know that it, I could have handled like, more. <laughs> it was, it was painful to write. And I knew, I knew people were going to find it challenging to read, you know, that the subject matter is kind of taboo and it's something people don't always talk about or want to engage with. Yeah. Um, so I just thought, you know, the, the tighter and more immediate this story is, the more people will be able to make it through to the end without it, you know, just being too unpleasant. Um, 
Uh, but now, now I like writing. I like writing long stuff. My next novel, Exit Human, came in as my longest thing yet. And, uh, you know, people out there are asking me if I'm ever going to do something that's 180,000 words, one of those, you know, bricks. Right. And I'm not sure if I have that in me, but I definitely like telling uh, telling bigger stories and, and uh, more complex stories now. What's the next one called? It's called uh, Exit Human. Um, so I've that's, officially that's got something. mostly what I say about that one. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm not allowed to ask any more questions about it. No, I've got a there's a there's a contract uh being bounced back and forth between a, a publisher and, and my agent right now on that one. Um that's in like its third month of contract negotiations and, and part of that is I'm not allowed to talk about it until the publisher announces they've purchased it in the publisher's marketplace. So um I mean I can say it's kind of uh it's kinda of like days to confuse meets Cronenberg's uh, Shivers, you know, it's All it's right. kind of a outbreak story set in a small town, and it's got a little bit of the the outsiders going there too. You know, it's a an economically divided town where there's a lot of you know subliminal class warfare that kind of turns into real warfare. So, um, Jesus it's a fun God. book. Fuck yeah, that son of a bitch. <laughs> Can I have a copy now? <laughs> it's just you. It's just us three. <laughs> Yeah, they're still they're still talking about a release date too. They're trying to decide whether we go full horror and put it out at Halloween, or um, you know, the marketing team's thinking it might actually be a good summer read. You know, um, it's got a techno thriller aspect to it because I grew up reading a lot of those Michael Crichton, you know, books alongside all my horror stuff. So yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we know when it's coming out soon. Yeah, that'd be. I'm like I said, I'm legitimately looking forward to it. Um, how long did it take to put that together? I mean, it, you know what? Um, because I'm really interested in it, it. How long does it typically take with some of the shorter stories first? Short stories, man. Lo- longest a short story ever took me was three days. Um, <laughs> Clint, make, that makes Clint mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about editing, but I'm just jealous. talking about production, you know, yeah. from, the, okay. from the front line. Um, edit, editing can take me two months, you know, before I feel like something is, something is right. But that initial burst of writing it, I usually won't let myself sit down and create something unless I, I know the opening and I know the ending. Then I have my, my pathway through. Um, whenever I start stuff without an ending in mind, it's, it's just a nightmare. You know, those are the ones that spiral out of control because I truly don't know what I'm trying to say yet. Right. So, uh, no, I, and, and then, uh, just, I used to be in a workshop where we were expected every Wednesday to get together and have a new short story, uh, on the table. And so I kind of learned about, you know, having a faster production mode, um, you know, and then getting notes and, and editing and stuff. So yeah, some, some short stories I sit down and, uh, I don't move out of my chair for 12 hours and then, and then there it is. And then after that, it's all just a matter of things up. Damn. That that was not the answer I was expecting. I suppose it makes sense with the editing thing, but wow, you really are just burning through these things. How about the uh, the longer ones? Um, the one that's coming up, I think you said Exit Human, right? Yeah. And Skullcrack would be your only full length novels, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Sleep of Judges. That's at the end of uh, Entropy and Bloom is a novella, and that's about twenty five thousand. Uh, and I wrote that across six days, but I was. Uh, I do, I do these binge writing activities where I lock myself. Um, back then, I could afford to lock myself in a hotel. And then <laughs> eventually, I ended up in a position where I, I lock myself in my, uh, my in-law's trailer. They have a camp trailer. <laughs> and I lock myself in that for um, 
I do three days at a time. So, you know, 72 hours straight where I sleep when I need to, you know, when I, when I realize I'm passing out above the keyboard, I sleep. But other than that, I just, uh, I lock myself in with a bunch of garbage food and energy drinks and coffee and just, uh, produce as much work as I can. Um, <laughs> Your face, Clint. <laughs> That's insane, man. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting production method. Uh, just because you do get to lock into a real stream of consciousness and you find yourself, um, I think, I think if you write that incessantly, you're able to tap into the kind of emotional arc and, the uh, maintain a pace. You're not always returning to the page, having to reread everything, wondering what you did, you know, two weeks ago when you had a chance. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's my preferred method of production. I can get about 6,000 words out of a good, out of a good uh, binge writing session, but I do, you know, uh, when my when my son's in school, I write from about 10 a.m. to two, but I produce a lot slower that way. There's there's all the distractions of being, you know, running a household and being a stay-at-home dad, and and uh, kids get sick all the time, and and there's all kinds of other stuff that pops up when you're at home versus locked in somewhere. And, right. And being, so. when, when you're locked into one of these fucking binge writing sessions. And, you know, eventually, like you said, you, you find yourself passing out over the keyboard. When you go back and start to edit that, can you see where that passing out spot was happening? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, no, there's, there's one where <laughs> there's one where I did on a tight production deadline, and I didn't have time to fix what I had fucked up passing out at the keyboard. And that thing, it's, it's thankfully out of print now, but I just remember, you know, we, we made it in time for this convention and this big launch, and uh, I remember looking back at that one and thinking wow i messed up the third act of that book. <laughs> <laughs> do you think at so, one point woke up uh i had headbutted i had literally passed out in my chair and headbutted the keyboard and then popped awake and kept writing um <laughs> and so that was a mistake and i'll never do that again now now i do go back through especially the last couple uh last couple thousand words of any time where i'm about to you know crash because they, you do get some questionable stuff in there and i also find myself adding um lyrics from whatever i'm listening to you know little <laughs> tiny you know just from whatever music's going on, on because, the water you know you get delirious you're you're up typing for you know 16 hours straight and chugging red bulls and eating microwave mexican food things get <laughs> weird so. yeah and weird is what you want right that's right. what you're going no, for yeah, weird is the weird is the weird is there sometimes it, some of my favorite stuff is is the stuff I didn't see coming that kind of results from a state of delirium where right. I'm like I didn't know I had that in me and you really do start to feel like you're um you're letting your subconscious through with less filters you know and sometimes that's the stuff that connects with people the most where you're like oh I don't know if this should be in here and then you know and then people end up loving that stuff the the most so you never know uh, now speaking of weird and I don't want to go too far because you know spoilers and things of that nature but um. I, I think when you talk about things getting weird, a, a couple of your stories quickly pop up to mind. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to remember the names of the stories properly. Um, but the one bigger one of yours, uh, where it's the end of the world and the guy makes a suit of cockroaches. Yeah, sharp dressed man at the end of the line. Yes, that is so out <laughs> there gets... and so fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, that one is. Um... One of my rare stories that most people, even even people that hate my work, tend to like that one. That was, is, uh, yeah, that's fantastic. I, I've got my fingers crossed. I'm, I've, I've been uh, tucking into that new Netflix series, the uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah. And 
you know, I just I just want to send those guys a couple of shorts and, and Sharp Dressed Man would be one of them because it's one of those things that, that can only be realized properly through animation, you know? Right. Uh, and actually, we I was on deck with uh, <laughs> this Japanese company called Funimation for a while that wanted to do a, a, an anime adaptation of that and its follow-up uh, Extinction Journals, and then they wanted to extend it into kind of a broader post-apocalyptic universe, you know? Right. Um, and that, that would have been amazing because, you know, they're obviously in anime, they're willing to go full crazy. Right. You know, they would have made it. I could have. So, um, but, you know, so that stuff, it gets, it gets, like, everybody's excited and they're excited. And then, and then they pitch it up to the people who actually have to spend millions of dollars making <laughs> things happen. And they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, I so that's a process I go through a lot. <laughs> I, I could, I could see that. And it's, it's a fucking shame. Um, the uh, the other one that quickly pops to mind with just out and out weirdness is the uh, the body modification story. Um, and again, I, I apologize for not being able to remember the names of these damn things. Oh, that's fine. That's a uh, League of Zeros. Yes. And um, <laughs> yeah, and that that thing uh, that's my most published short story. Period. Like it's been translated into five languages and appeared in tons of anthologies and and. Uh, it's kind of a lot of people's gateway drug to, you know, my fiction. So I've always been kind of happy with that story. And, uh, you know, obviously went back into that world with, uh, Skullcrack city and, and it was fun to kind of return to those characters and flesh them out a little bit and see what they would end up like later. So when, yeah, uh, yeah, that, uh, that I think somebody told me it was even produced as a kind of, um, like a stage play. They didn't ask for my permission, but somebody in Australia did it as a stage play. So I, I would love if, you know, to see footage of that someday somehow. Yeah, that would be. Because I don't know if they've done the effects, but it, it could have been pretty funny. Yeah, that would be <laughs> fucking crazy. Especially, man, that would be nuts. Um, speaking of Skullcrack City, uh, it, that was actually my gateway to you. I just kind of went full bore with it. And uh, that I think that that is a real good... I enjoyed it a lot. It, the sci-fi thing comes through. The horror thing comes through. I think that shows all of your influences pretty clearly. Yeah, I, that thing is, um, it's it's my big crazy mess, man. It is, it's kind of me wearing all my influences on my sleeve for sure. And, you know, starting out with that first third being more like a, a satire of the techno thrillers and conspiracy thrillers. It's, and, almost, and, uh, it's almost like a sci-fi fucking fight club or something. It, it just, I love it. Yeah. There's some Fight Club aspects in there too, especially once once the second act hits and and he's running with you know running in the underground and, right. and everything kind of open. Um, but then also just you know I actually did work in uh, the banking industry for 13 years, and so that the, that first uh, section was pretty cathartic to write. I'll also, because I worked I worked through the Great Recession and I actually ended up becoming a a special compliance analyst for a bank that I'd worked for, and they had me go through all of their mortgage files and basically. Uh, their idea was that if they put their they put their necks on the chopping block in advance, the FDIC wouldn't shut them down for their crimes. So they asked me to write a red flag report and basically, you know, kind of say, hey, here's everything we did wrong for the last five years. So that was an eye opener going through those files I bet. and just seeing, you know, just the most blatant white collar fraud, <laughs> um, you know, and, and how many folks they destroyed with that. So. So yeah, that's why it's Skullcrack City. Before it goes full horror, is more about um, you know, white collar, you know, employee horror. 
<laughs> yeah, and uh, well done. <laughs> can uh, can you talk about your your work with Mars Volta? What what all that's about? Yeah, that was that was just kind of um, a crazy situation where I had an opportunity. I used to um, publish fiction and do interviews with this uh, print magazine called Verbicide uh, out of the East Coast. Um, and at one point, the guy knew he was like, "Hey, I'm not a big uh, big fan of the Mars Volta, but they've got a new album coming up, and and their their publicist is looking for press. Would you want to interview these guys?" And I said, "Oh my God, of course, yeah. You know, I, I enjoy the." They're at the drive-in stuff, but those first couple of Volta albums were so psychotic. I was, I was pretty into them, and uh, and I ended up talking to Cedric, who was the the lead singer. And in the course of the first five minutes of our conversation, I found out he actually had my first fiction collection um, with him while he was on their prior tour. They were opening for Red Hot Chili Peppers, and he had been reading my book on the tour bus. And so we hit it off and, and had a nice rapport and, and did one of the weirdest interviews where we talked the least amount about music possible. <laughs> uh, and and uh, it was super fun. And then, and then I was just like, oh, well, that was that. And that was a neat experience. And then, uh, and then I think a year or two later, I get an email from somebody at Universal Music asking me if I would be willing to uh, do a writing project for the Mars Volta. For their, uh, they had an album, The Bedlam and Goliath, that was coming out in three or four months. And so I spent two days calling all my friends and uh, emailing them, trying to figure out who was pranking me. I was like, this is pretty fucking bad. <laughs> and everybody was like, no, no, that's legitimately not me. And, and uh, you should go for it and contact them back. And so, so I you know, did my internet sleuthing and researched it and found out it was real people and a real publicist. <laughs> and, and then I was taking, uh, taking lunch breaks at the bank and talking to, to Cedric and he had this Basically, they they supposedly got a Ouija board. Uh, Omar, the guitarist and songwriter, came back with a Ouija board from uh, some curio shop in Israel, and then they contacted these uh, spirits through the Ouija board that them ha haunted them and destroyed all their uh, musical productions. And and uh, Cedric had to get like the bones in his foot broken and restructured because he wore these fancy shoes on the prior concert that Whoa. destroyed his feet. And there was just like a series of like spinal tap level nightmares that they were blaming on this. <laughs> oh my God. And the idea was that this, um, this album itself was created as an exorcism to recognize and then trap the, the demons that they'd accidentally set loose. And it was kind of like that, uh, that containment trap that they throw out in Ghostbusters. And, and, you know, the more people listened to it and the more people engaged with the album, the less potency these spirits would have in their individual lives, the less they'd be haunted by it. And they even supposedly buried this Ouija board in the middle of nowhere and, oh, and all that. The whole album, Christ. the story about this, you know, this, uh, this relationship gone bad and murder and people being dumped down wells and, and, uh, it's super fucked up and crazy. And so I loved it. And I was like, yeah. I, and it turned out to me, it ended up being their second best album after, uh, Francis the Mute. It was their darkest, busiest, uh, most metal thing. The guy they had on the drums, Thomas Pridgen at the time was just a phenomenal drummer. And, uh, anyway, so I listened to that album 400 times, wrote them <laughs> weirdest fucking, uh, and it ended up being this piece that both told that story and was this kind of hyperbolic review of the album. And it had like, like poetry at the end and shit. Anyway, it's, it's still out there. They're like there's a PDF of it floating all over the internet. And it's actually the most read thing I've ever, I think 70,000 people read it the first day when it came out. And, and, uh, it was, um, 
just a super fun experience. And, uh, I love doing it. And, and then we actually flew down and, and partied with those guys for new year's. They did a show down in San Francisco <laughs> and they were super nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, all around cool experience. And, uh, I was, I was honored to work with those guys. That sounds like a fucking lot of fun. I mean, Jesus, besides all the bad juju. <laughs> yeah. You know, and weird shit happened to me too during the process of writing it. And obviously, you know, who knows? They, they're inventive dudes. They literally could have made the whole thing up <laughs> because that, you know, people do, they go to each album like, Oh, what's the concept behind this one? Is it witch burning? Is it, are they talking about a dead friend, et cetera? So I was like, okay, every album needs a concept. This is this one. But, um, I developed PMJ while I was writing it and my jaw started clicking and hinging shut. And I thought I had fitness for a while. And, um, I had this creosote burning log that, um, didn't actually go all the way out at night after I closed a flue and flooded our house with like carcinogenic smoke. And so actually the very first edition of the piece that I printed out, I did this weird, like, you know, I, I buried it in my backyard <laughs> at the foot of it and then put a stone over it. I don't have any particular religion, but I was like, Hey, whatever forces are listening, if something is involved here, I need you guys to shut the shit down. <laughs> and, uh, Somewhere at my uh, somewhere two houses ago for me, there's there's the very first copy of that story ever printed buried next to a, an apple tree and some <laughs> unfortunate inhabitants of the house. Oh my gosh, that's intense! Well, man. as long as they dig it up, they're, they're going to be fine. As long as they don't dig it up. Um, yeah. you referenced uh, there, there's a couple things I want to hit real quick before we go and kind of wrap this up. The uh, you mentioned. Earlier, the uh, the story that closes Entropy and Bloom, uh, Sleep of Judges, right? Yeah. Okay, and uh, that was uh, that was actually when I I think when I first started reaching out to you about coming on the show because you referenced High on Fire a couple times, and it got oh. got me wondering, are, you know, especially on these binges that you go through, are you are you listening to music while you're doing this, or is this? Oh, the whole time, the whole time. I start out. I make. I usually make a a, a playlist that's supposed to kind of fit the tone of the novel. Um, and then I, so I make like a 72 hour long playlist <laughs> and, and then I sit down with that thing going. And for the first couple sessions, you know, uh, usually about the whole first act of the book, I listen to that. And then at some point I just can't listen to those songs anymore. Um, and I feel like, okay, I'm in my mode. I, I kind of know where this novel's headed. And then, uh, I just change around to whatever, whatever I can, uh, listen to in the background that I feel is informing the emotional drive of, of what I'm trying to do with the work at the time. Um, so like at, uh, at the end of Skull Crack City, when it was supposed to be kind of talking about, you know, this, this possible apocalyptic situation, I think uh, Tools Enema, I listened to 12 times in a row because of that Arizona Bay Bill Hicks song, you know, right. we're talking about California flooding and all that. There's different things where I'm just like, okay, that's a touch point or some of what I want to have in here uh, tonally. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't like to write without music. Actually, it's, it makes me feel even uh, crazier. So, yeah, 100% listen to music the whole time. The high on fire thing is more, you know, my house really did get burglarized, and that's a lot of where Sleep of Judges came from. And I remember working security the next day and listening to, uh, you know, high on fire while I was in top paranoia, getting everything set up. And for whatever reason, that it was weirdly soothing. It was kind of cathartic to have uh, heavier music on while I was uh, just wondering, like, is somebody looking at our house? Right. Are they going to break in again, et cetera? Uh, so, yeah, that, that, a lot of that novel 
aside from some of the the uh, the weirder elements, was was pretty directly just my actual experience uh, in being burglarized. Wow, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, it's a it's a fucking cool ass story, but you know, to have it kind of directly. Anyways, um, that's pretty awesome. We uh, we're gonna have we're gonna kind of wrap it up here. We'll go through some rapid fire questions and uh, the typical question that we end these types of things with, and. Uh, let you get about your morning because it's only what like nine thirty out there. So yeah, we'll let you get back to your day. Brian, take it away with some rapid fire. All right. So there, are two choices. There are right and wrong. We'll let you know how well you did at the end. <laughs> All right. You ready? Okay. Yep. Yeah, hit me. Coffee, tea, coffee, toilet paper, under or over? Over, dude. Not a Philistine. <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Fucking Beatles, and that is the right answer. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. Rubber soul, like not the whole catalog, dude. All right, Simpsons Family Guy, Simpsons, Hammett or Hetfield, <sighs> you assholes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hammett. Oh man, okay, beer or liquor, beer, Coke or Pepsi, Pepsi. God damn, <laughs> <laughs> fucking stopping nuts. Woods or the ocean, ocean, fall or spring. Spring. All right. <laughs> this dude is my guy, man. <laughs> I like how he's, he's, he's answering like there's a sense of urgency. <laughs> it's uh shit. That was a lot of fun. Um, the last question we'll do here is the typical tropey uh, island album question. You get shipped off to an island, you get one album. What are you taking with you? Holy shit! There's three um, drink questions in there. I just uh, <laughs> Portishead's first album, Dummy. It, <laughs> I, okay. I'm, I'm expecting you to stumble over this for an hour and a half. I'm taking a drink of my beer thinking, yeah, I got time. Uh-uh. No, nah, he spits it right out. <laughs> I go by the metrics whenever anybody asks me that stuff. Like, uh, It's been very illuminating. You look at like which, which tapes did you actually you know, listen to so many times as a kid that fell apart? Which CDs did you have to rebuy? What does iTunes say you listen to the most? And on pure metrics... I've listened to Portishead's Dummy more than any other album. So, uh, second, second is uh, Super Unknown by Soundgarden. Nice. Uh, uh, when I was, I, I spent a whole summer listening to only that album and reading all the Clive Barker books. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just go off of the truthful metrics, you know? You, you can't be a poser about that shit. Yeah. Those are my numbers. All right. That was, <laughs> Those are my numbers. <laughs> <laughs> makes total sense. Dude, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we Speaking for both of us, we look forward to doing this again sometime. Maybe when the new book comes out. When the new, not, yes, for sure. <laughs> and, I'd love that, man. Yeah, it's uh, been a ton of fun. Enjoy your uh, Sunday. Uh, I, I don't assume you're Irish since it's St. Patrick's uh, Day. Thank, thank, no. <laughs> me, neither, but, <laughs> me neither, but have a beer anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. All right, man, take it easy. Well, there you have it. Two for two. The proverbial five pounds in the one pound sack. That was... That was so much fun. I am uh, seriously not just because he agreed to be on the show, not just because he listens to music. If you can read, check out some of his shits. It is twisted as fuck. It is fucking fun, man. It is good. And if you're like me, well, like said in the interview, short, at least the book I'm reading, in in the rivers, it's even small, small, skinny, like my boy Clint. And then Entropy and Bloom is a bunch of short stories and... Which is the best? Really, is the best way because it just throws. You don't. You don't need to know. For me, the guy, the main character's 
entire life story. You just want to know where he's at, what he's fucking uh, doing, and how fucked up shit's going right, to be. Right, right, right. I know right. There are, people like to get in and, and do all the mind things with long books. Not me. I get, get in, get out. I get it. I enjoy both pretty equally, but anyways, yeah, check some of his stuff out. It, it's so fucking worth it. It's so, it, it's fun. It's fun just like he was just then. <laughs> just then. And uh, we got to keep this going. We got to keep it going? Next sponsor. Let's keep going. Hey, Clint. Hey, Brian. Can you hear me now? I can, and only because I have my eargasm earplugs that save me from all of the fucking loud noises that we make or go to see live. Uh, We will have a link for you to buy your own eargasm earplugs in with this podcast. You should do it because they're fantastic. They help my ears. They will help yours. Two thumbs up from Clint. And if you buy more than one pair, you'll have multiple eargasms. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. Randy's got a new music video. New okay, it's not music. It's video. not a music video. Well, I mean, there's there's probably music, but he's uh he's standing up for what he believes in. It's and against the Westboro <laughs> Baptist Church, so. which I think everyone except the members of the Westboro <laughs> Baptist Church are against the Westboro Baptist Church. If you don't and, know who they are. They're the they're the kind of people that will um, let their phone go off in the middle of an episode. <laughs> now I can hear it. It ain't mine. Don't look at me, motherfucker. That was my phone. I, I know it was. Um, they're the kind of people that uh, they uh, what's what's the word? They picket or protest military funerals and gay things and just all kinds of shit that they did. They and just if stay anybody home. listening right now is a member. Go ahead and shut us off. Yeah. Move And on. then promptly fuck yourself. Exactly. Uh, but he, <laughs> it was funny. Randy, so he organized this counter party, if you will, I guess is what they call it, um, where he is protesting the protesters. With kazoos. With, with, how many kazoos did he buy? <laughs> was, a ton. It was some insane amount. But the video is hilarious. I'm going to have to put a link. He's wearing like a purple wig and some cowboy hat or something, blowing a kazoo, dancing around all crazy. Well, he's using all kinds of different noisemakers and stuff. And it was just kind of funny to see him being not Randy. It, it's, <laughs> it's a fun way. It's a really good way to go about this, too. You know? And... and protest quote unquote of these fucking dick bags and kind of not stooping to their level but still sticking it to them i love it he's also offering a 100 cash prize offered is it over yeah oh he offered a 100 cash prize to the best costume that's how there's video of it if you uh well it was just him <laughs> it wasn't anyone else but him but yeah no it did happen yeah uh, so if you win the if you went and you won this and randy Handed you a hundred dollars. Would you spend that hundred dollars, or would you say autograph this? And I want to keep it. I would spend that hundred dollars. You would spend it absolutely. Oh, I don't man. care if somebody fucking writes on that hundred dollar bill. The fucking Walmart will still take it. Don't go to Walmart. I, Target will still take it. <laughs> that's all for that's that's all for the news. That's all we have. That's all we got there. That's so uh, all I got. So on to tours. Yeah, there's a uh, further proof that blah blah blah. Good tool joke, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Tools touring, they've got a few, I mean. Does this mean it'll be out before May 5th? I don't know. That's when the tour starts. I don't know, and I don't care at this fucking point. You Wake me when it's over. You love it. Five 
May 5th it starts. What is it? It's only May they, yep. they released. And it the looks like it's the like 10, 10 dates. A couple of festivals, like a couple coliseums. Would you go see them if they came to Columbus? Sure. What if tickets were $200? No. <laughs> Me neither. Um, so review? Yeah. Have at it. All right. I am not qualified to speak on such music as this, so I will uh, let Clint take it away because it's up his alley. And, I mean, I'm not the world's biggest death metal fan either, but, you know, when you get to Groove, there's not a lot of things that'll quench that fucking thirst. And this Venom Prison album, Samsara, is... Samsara. Samsara. I don't know. Because Unite is just... It just crushes from start to finish. They They get some grooves in the middle that... Any other band would be as heavy as possibly possible, but for them, it's like light stuff. It just from start to finish fucking annihilates. And I, I mean, I can't even imagine playing this shit live. I, I don't understand how the fuck that would be possible. You just flail. I don't think they're flailing. <laughs> there seems to be some intent there. Um, and it's it just systematic flailing, systematic flailing, sure. There's just an intensity to the whole damn thing that is, uh, it's been a while since I've listened to something that brought that kind of energy and now we need a stain sounder. Thanks. Fucking anger. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I got to keep this short. Been a long show. Uh, if I, you got to get shits, it's four, four shits Four. it is just mean. It is fucking devastating. It is brutal. Do you have to ear, use your eargasm? things when you listen to it you probably just, uh, should it's just, uh, I, it, it does come with a warning label okay that's all you got four out of five listen to it even if you don't like death metal put it on just to see because it might catch you okay well are we recording the show close now why not okay um thanks to all the 19 members that were on the show today all of the guests. members all the 19 guests all that were the on the guests. show all the guests not uh, including you no not me uh that was uh Clint's idea to shove five pounds of shit in a one-pound bag there. <laughs> uh, take it away, Clint, on the social meds. We are on all the social media outlets. I woke up feeling like I'd been running over like a Mack truck today, so I haven't got to the social media today to tell you that I like your pictures. I will get there <laughs> soon. We're on the Instagram. We're on the Facebook. We're on the Twitter. We're, we've got an email, eostupidity at gmail.com. We're on all the fucking fun podcast places, because if we're not there, then it's not fun. And, uh, you know, subscribe, like, follow, love us. We love you back. Listen to a band in the background there. Listening to Howlin' Giant yeah. taking us out. And, uh, yeah. Bye. Bye.